Today we bring you part one of a two-part series with offensive line guru Bob Wiley. We're going to talk about a lot of things, and Coach is going to share some stories with us. We love this one with him, and we are very excited to announce that we will be having the Cool Clinic with Coach Wiley and some incredible names, including Super Bowl champion Joe Gilbert and national champion Kyle Flood. Here's part one. Joining me on the podcast today is NFL and CFL offensive line coaching legend, Bob Wiley. Coach Wiley, it's great to be able to talk to you here on the podcast. Well, I appreciate you having me on. You know, I always enjoy sharing stories and information with the, the rest of the guys in the profession, especially uh, in, in my seat. You know what I mean? The offensive line room. Yes. I think it's I always thought it was one of the best line, best rooms to be in. You know what I mean? The, the, the camaraderie that exists amongst the offensive linemen and the coaches, it's unbelievable. I mean, we have that offensive line clinic in Cincinnati. You know what I mean? We get 400 guys come from all over the world. Yeah. You know, it's just not the United States. They, they, you know, one year we had over 400 guys from 211 different universities, you know, 43 different states, six different countries. You know, they come from Japan, Austria, England, Scotland, Canada, Brazil. I mean, they come from all over the place. You know, they, they are really, they're really a special group of guys because they, they, and they don't mind sharing ideas for one. Okay. And they really help each other out. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's the unique thing about, about coaching the position is I find that the, the brotherhood is really tremendous. I mean, I, I can call just about any of the guys up, you know what I mean? And they'll call me back. You know, when I was a younger coach and I had a problem with a blocking scheme or picking up a blitz, you know what I mean? I could call some of the older guys and say, oh, hey, think about this now. Think about what you're doing here. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I, I spent 33 years as a professional football coach. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that by myself, you know. I had people help me along the way. You know, when I was a pop water coach, you know, the junior high, high school coaches helped me. When I became a high school coach, you know, the college coaches, I go to the clinics and listen to the college guys speak. When I became a college guy, I, I, I sought out the pro guys and listened to those guys. You know, so, you know, I, I give back to the profession. I think it's only morally correct, okay, to give back to the profession that's been so good to you. You know, and uh, I and I enjoy doing it, helping the younger guys, the old guys. If I can help them in some way, you know, I, I'll do that for them. So. Yeah, well, you know, and let's let's go back to you, know, you mentioned being being a Pop Warner coach and going back to the beginning for you. You know, we see you're, you're a guy who has all kinds of interests, right? Um, I mean, you know, playing the drums and flying planes and uh, doing magic tricks and all those kinds of things, but. You know, you made the decision to become a, a football coach, and you did start at, at the lower levels. But what was it about coaching football that appealed to you? It, it never <clears> – you never stop learning. Your mind is continuously working. You know what I mean? And if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're not thinking of anything new, because you're not trying hard enough. I mean, it's, it, 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 it's a full cycle goes – Around and around, every 10 years, every five years, every three, the things make cycles. Like, I remember at Sam Weiss, 
uh, we had the no huddle offense, okay, years ago, years ago. All of a sudden, this is a big thing now, you know, the spread offense, the no huddle stuff. The, I mean, we were doing that 25, 30 years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it all comes back, but it's never, you, you can never, ever learn enough. You don't have all the answers. There's always new things to learn. So I think that was the intriguing thing about me. Uh, about the sport, the uh, there was one part of my life I was I was I was teaching high school uh, history and economics. I was playing the drums in a band. I was flying uh, corporate jets, and and I was uh, coaching football. And I and I don't you know I I was having a blast with life, and I don't know why. I have no idea why, for some reason. Football just took over, you know, and he had such a passion for the game. <clears throat> and it wasn't the money. It really wasn't the money because my first paycheck, I made 22 cents an hour. <laughs> Excuse me, for the number of hours I put in, I made 22 cents an hour. So it definitely wasn't for the money. It was really for the love of the game. That old Kevin Costa movie, For the Love of the Game. Mm-hmm. It was really for that. You know what I mean? I, I could help the younger kids coming up. You know, I, I think some of my best coaching, I mean, it's easy. The last line I had in Cleveland, we finished second in national football. We're the second best offensive line in the NFL. Okay? And people say, hey, that's a pretty good job. My best coaching was with the eight, nine, ten-year-old kids. I mean, I never knew where those guys. I didn't even know if they were going to line up in the right spot. You know what I mean? When they got out of the huddle, I mean, that was, you know, that was, I had to do some coaching at that level, really did, you know, some, and it was, people say, well, you know, what's the difference? Anybody, when you got three first line, or first round draft picks, or two first round draft picks, and a second, and a third, and a fourth, or whatever you have, you know, those guys are easy to coach, okay? Those guys are pretty much, you know, the structure and what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. You know what I mean? I give them parameters to live within. You know, those young eight, nine, and 10 year old kids, they have no idea. None. You know what I mean? It's a clean slate. You know, so you, you can start them off the right way at that level and, and let them work their way up through it. You know, they, they get some really, really good football players by doing that, you know, so, and they have the same, you have the same problems, Keith. Yeah. You know, they come away for practice, they go the wrong way, they, make, they give up pressures, they give up sacks. <laughs> they have mental assignment breakdowns. You know what I mean? Yeah. The same problems I have in pro football. Yeah. You know, they had in pop water football. You know, just the kids are bigger, faster, stronger, and I can find them. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, you, you, you learn a lot, you know, when you, you start at those lower levels. I and mean, for me, it was, you know, I finished coaching – at the division three college level. But when I first started coaching, I was coaching, you know, fourth through eighth grade, two teams, you know, in uh, C- CYO football. And you really learn how to, to coach. You don't have meeting times there. Like everything happens out on the field as you're moving. They're not going to sit there and, 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 and pay attention to any kind of, you know, long dis- dissertation on how to do it. You've got to keep moving. And, and I mean, you really learn along the way, you know, so as, as you right. progress though, what, 
yeah, how, how did you make that move from, you know, you went Pop Warner to high school and, and, you know, your career progressed from there, but what was it that allowed you to propel yourself to the level you're at now? Well, as I went, as I got, when I got into Pop Warner football, they helped me because I played in that, I played for the high school in the town I grew up in. Okay. And when I went back after I got out of college, I went back to that, uh, that a high school and they were starting a pop water league. And he asked me if I could help them out, you know, cause I grew up in the town and I played football in the town and, and I said, yeah, okay. So I was helping him. And then the junior high school coach asked me to help him. So I was coaching junior high school football after school. Right. And I was coaching pop water football at night. So I would, you know, coach in the afternoon, go home, eat dinner, and then go to the other ball field Right, and coach the Pop Warner kids, right? And so I just, I always got asked to go someplace else, okay? So then a high school coach asked me to help him out, and I did that. And then I got another job at another high school. Of course, one of our, our assistant coaches uh, that coached me in college got a high school job, and he asked me to go with him, so I went with him, right? And then another guy asked me to go to another school, and so on and so forth. You know, so I went from, you probably don't know any of these names, but, from Westwalk High School, North Kingston High School. Uh, I went to Cranston East High School and was Sal Academy. Right then, all of a sudden, uh, I, I got funny because years ago, Keith, there was no uh, there was no recruiting services. Right. You had to go out and you had to turn over all the rocks, okay, to find out you know where to play. So there was a defensive coordinator, a guy by the name of Chet O'Neill, that was a defensive coordinator at Harvard University. And so he come recruiting the state and he come by my office and I would tell him where I thought there were some kids that had maybe the ability to, to play for that, for Harvard, for the Indian League. So it saved him a lot of legwork. He didn't have to go to every school to try to find names and look at, you know, cause back then there was no VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Everything was 16 millimeter film. They wouldn't let the film out of the school. So you had to sit there. And you had to watch the, you know, the, the 16 millimeter film, <clears throat> right? Take notes, go down and pick up a transcript, you know, talk to the head high school coach, the strength coach, you know, go talk to his guidance counselor and, the, you know, any teachers that may be available. You know, you had to go do all that stuff yourself. Right. It wasn't like you, you were, uh, you had a recruiting service and they gave you all the information, you know, that, that didn't happen, you know, so, uh, so Chet uh, came into my office one day, and I was all oh, I was I don't know I was having a bad day, and he said, "What's the problem?" I said, "I don't know. I hate this job because they moved me into administration. You, you spent all the money based on whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, and that one was in the best interest of the kids. It used to drive me crazy, all right?" And so he says, "Hey, would you like to try coaching in college? You know, guys tell you that, and then you never hear from them again. Right. I mean, it's literally. I mean, I." You know, I've gotten guys jobs and been friendly with guys for 27 years, right? And, and then all of a sudden, you know, they get a head coaching job and you never get them to call you back. <laughs> I mean, well, Chad, right? He did. He, he went out and he talked to the head coach at Brown University, was a friend of his, and told him I was looking, you know. And the head coach at Brown calls me up, say, hey, can you come down for the interview? I said, yeah. So I canceled all my appointments one day. I went down to Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island, and 
went for the interview and he offered me the job. And at the end of the day, they don't even interview guys anymore. At the end of the day, okay, the, uh, he offers me the job and he tells me, he says, look, this job, you know, he pays, I forget which four or $6,000 a year. You know, it's a part-time job. I said, I'll take it. <laughs> so I, I went back and I, I quit my job as administrative director in the school department. Right. I, I, I called my dad, you know, and my dad raised his kids, you know, don't be afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to fail. You know, you're not defined in life. If you fail, that's not going to define your life. Your life is defined about how far you've risen after you have fallen. That's how my dad raised his kids. And so I called him up. I said, Dad, I'd like to have lunch with you. He said, okay. So I have lunch with him, and I tell him, right, I want to go coach football at Brown University. You know, I got a wife. You know, I got a young daughter. You know, I got a house, got a car. You know, I got, you know, she's got a car. You gotta make all these payments on stuff. And he looked at me, and he, you know, because I think, you know, people in life don't think big enough because they're afraid to fail. They really don't. Okay. And so after I got done telling all the story, he looked at me, he goes, What's your problem? I said, I just got done telling you. He said, Look, you wanna go coach football? Go coach football. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. He said, Don't worry about it. I said, Okay. That was it. I went to Bob University, and they hired me full time. Right, the next thing, next thing I know, we uh, uh, go to I go to Holy Cross College. The next thing I know, I'm at OU, and then I'm at Colorado, right, Colorado State, excuse me. Right, the next thing I know, about the Bengals, and then the Jets, and then Tampa Bay, and then back to the Bengals, and then the Chicago Bears, Arizona Cardinals, Denver Broncos, Oakland Raiders, Cleveland Browns, and I was up in Canada in the uh, my first three years in Canada, I went to the Grey Cup, the championship game, went to another team and went back to the Grey Cup, okay? And so the, the progression and was, was exciting. It was an adventure. And I treated every one of them like it's an adventure. You can't be an insecure person and be a football coach, you know, because you're going to get fired. It's going to happen. You know what I mean? So... You know, you don't want it to happen, but it's going to happen. But it just gives you another opportunity to go find another job someplace. That's what it does. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's that's how it all started. But to make this whole dissertation shorter, right, I get a lot of questions. How did you get into pro football? How did that happen? My high school football coach played for George Hallis at the Chicago Bears. He was on the 1946 World Championship team. He was on a few other teams up there, but he was, that was the one that won the world championship. And he came back when he got done playing, went to the, got out of the service, played, kept playing professional football. When he got done playing, he came back to Westwalk High School, became the head football coach. There was a point in time where he had won 59 games in a row, okay? And then that team went down and played another high school team at the Orange Bowl down in Florida. Kind of a neat deal for the kids. <clears throat> well, I'm trying to learn how to put these blocking schemes that he has to rules. I didn't know how to do that. Okay. So I'm trying to learn how to do this. And so I go to a Boston College uh, spring clinic, and Jim McNally is the offensive line coach at Boston College. 
and Joey Tico was the head coach. And so Jimmy's up there giving his uh, presentation, and I'm listening to him. I said, this this guy's a pretty sharp guy. So after he gets done, I go up and I ask him, I say, hey, coach, can I introduced myself and said, hey, can you help me out? I'm trying to put these plays to, you know, rules. And he said, I can't do it now, but if you can come back next Friday, I'm going to ask him three times. I said, okay. So I go back and he spends the whole day with me. And we take the plays, ones in the protections, and we put them to the rules. Now, back then, I don't know if some guys will remember it, the rules were in, on, out, linebacker, you know, yeah. they, they, those kind of rules, okay? And so we got them all put together, right? So as I progress in my career, Jimmy leaves Boston College and goes with John McAvoy down to Wake Forest. He spends a couple of years down there, and then he gets hired by Forrest Gregg at the Bengals. Well, I end up with a job at Brown University, right? So I'm down at Brown, okay? And I get a call from Jimmy, okay, at the Bengals. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just sitting in the office looking at some film. Like, What's up? He goes, hey, you got to – Forrest just gave me the playbook, okay? You, you got to come out and tell me about this offense, the ones that we talked about. I said, what are you talking about? He says, listen to the plays. 48 MUO, 37 HA power, 27 AL counter, 39 UO smash, 46. It's the same plays, right? The same plays that I had in high school, right? He said, You're going to tell me about this offense, okay? I said, Okay. So I fly out to Cincinnati, all right? And I spent a couple of days with Jimmy teaching him what I know about the offense. And I guess uh, Vince Lombardi, you know, everybody steals from everybody else had taken it from George Harris, okay? And they, they were using that offense with that terminology back at the, in those days. And so, all right, I tell Jimmy as much as I can about the offense, right? Jimmy, and I, I'm going to leave, and i got to go catch a plane and come back to Rhode Island. And he says, wait, wait, wait here, wait here. I said, what's up? He says, just wait here for a minute. So he comes back about 40 minutes later, 45 minutes later, and he goes, hey, I just talked to uh, Coach Greg and, and uh, Paul Brown, and, and uh, they said, look, right, if you want to come to mini camps and training camps, you can do that if you want. And I said, oh, my God. I said, I, I, I would love to do that. You know what I mean? So for the next eight years, I never had a vacation. I would take all my free time, and I'd go spend it at the Bengal office. You know what I mean? I'd go spend it at the mini camps. I go spend it in the training camps, okay? And I'd spend the whole training camp with them, okay? And it was really uh, a unique learning experience for me. And eventually, I got hired. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Bruce Castle gets that job. You know, Bruce hires me. You know what I mean? And then Sam leaves the Bengals, and he goes to Tampa Bay, and I follow Sam down to Tampa. You know what I mean? And I go back to the Bengals. Bruce and I go to the Chicago Bears, so on and so forth. But that's really how I got in. If my high school football coach had never played for the Chicago Bears, you know, I'd probably still work at, be working at West Fork High School <laughs> or Brown University. So that's how I how I got in. Okay, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get in. You know, uh, I was just very fortunate in that. That relationship that I had with Jim McNally yeah. has lasted since 1975. 
So it's over a 40 plus year relationship in football. You know what I mean? And it, it's really, I mean, sometimes I'll get a call from Jimmy at five o'clock in the morning. Hey, get up, get up, stand like this, put your left foot back. You know, okay, I'll take your knee and put it, you know, you know, no, you know how does that feel, right? <laughs> and be like an idiot, I'm doing that, right? <laughs> so that, that's how I, I ended up going through the progression, going from place to place, right? And But to get into pro football, that's how I, I got into pro football. Because my high school football coach played for the Chicago Bears, right? Yes. And as far as Greg ran the same offense at the Bengals. Way back in 1980, 81, 82, back then. So that that that's a, a unique story. People, you know, some guys are former players. They somebody gives them a job. Some guys are college coaches. Then they work their way up into a, a, a an assistant line job or a quality control coach, and then they move to they work their way up. You know, you know, some guys can have jobs doing it that way. You know, so there's a lot of different ways to do it. I worked for Earl Bruce. I think a lot of people in Ohio know Earl. And uh, Earl used to tell us that he'd, he'd never hire a guy that had lined the field. He thought there was really something special about going and coming up through the ranks, okay? Because you learn something at every level. Every level, right, you learn something that you didn't know before. And I can really do that into every game, right? I coach 498 professional football games. And I can really say that every game, after the game, I take notes for myself after the game. And I always learned something that I didn't know the game before. You know, you don't have all the answers, okay? So that's that's that soapbox. <laughs> well, I think there's there's a couple of impactful things in there. Number one, the the you know, the advice from your father you know, to, to go out and do it and to not be afraid of, of failing. And, you know, how, how much is that, you know, when you look at it, I mean, you're you know, the places you've been uh, and to be in it that long, you certainly uh, are under pressure all the time, but you know, how much has that advice really played into the, the mindset that you've taken the approach to this? And um, well, I guess my- how much does it play into your coaching, you know, with your players as well? But my, my whole life, I teach my players that. I said, guys, you can't be afraid to fail. I said, you cannot be afraid to fail, okay? And play at the highest level that you need to play at to get us where we need to be. Because if you're out there and you're afraid to make mistakes, okay, you're not playing where you need to play. It doesn't work, okay? You, it's going to happen. They're going to go the wrong way. They're going to make mistakes, okay? They're going to give up sacks and pressures. That's going to happen, guys. It's how you deal with it after it happens. Do you coach that to happen? No, you try to make that not happen. No, but there's never been a perfect game played ever, okay? You know, so it's how you deal with those mistakes when they happen. You know what I mean? But you can't be afraid to make them, okay? You know, I... I I got some sayings that I think are really good for the young listeners out there, even for the older guys, okay? One of them is teach them, don't tell them. There's a big difference between teaching them and telling them. There's a big difference in that, okay? There's a, you know, they, uh, 
<clears throat> there's another one I like is called learn before you compete. <clears throat> learn before you go out and compete. You're going to have a meeting. Okay. From that meeting, you're going to go through a walkthrough. From that walkthrough, right, you're going to have pre-practice, right? Then you're going to have stretched, but that's a whole other ball game, right? For me anyway, right? You got, you got stretch, okay? Then you have an individual period, and then you have some type of competition period, right? With inside run, team run, one of those kind of types of periods. Maybe some a group period, but right? Before you compete in that period, you better learn what to do before you get there. Or, right, you're going to get somebody hurt. Either you're going to get hurt or somebody else is going to get hurt, okay? And you're going to look bad, right? And you don't want to look bad, okay? So those are some of the things, you know, teach them, okay? Don't tell them. Learn before you compete. And one of my all-time favorites is the problem with knowing everything is you can't learn anything new, Right? So you always get those guys that know everything about everything. Okay. You know, so I point to the signs up in my office, maybe off at the wine meeting room. I point when I get a kid like that, I just point to that sign, you know? So. Well, I think, <laughs> and, you, and I think yeah, you see that I think, in our profession I think, <clears throat> as well, not just with the, the players. Uh, I mean, you've talked about this, you know, as long as you've been in it, that you're still, learning the game and you know it's, still, it's so, so complex game. yeah <clears throat> you know you, you don't you don't know it and, and here's what people are there's there's not a lot of transparent people that coach this profession okay you you uh you know it, it's okay to disagree it ain't it's not okay to be disagreeable you know what i mean i watch some of the staffs hiring Okay, there's a lot of staffs that are being hired where there's a lot of yes guys. There's a lot of guys that are going to sit in those rooms and they're going to agree, yes, oh, yeah, that's good, yep, 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 yes, yes, yes. Right? In a couple of years, those guys, they're all going to get fired. Okay? You know, because if you're sitting there and you know that that's not going to work, but you don't want to rock the boat, you don't want to disagree with the coordinator because it makes you all, you know, he's – He's not with the program, you know, he just, you know, all that kind of stuff. That, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, the disagreements are where the ideas come from. That's where the ideas come from. Right? Sam Weiss used to love that. You know what I mean? It's okay to disagree. It's not okay to be disagreeable. Okay? So once, once you have the disagreements, then the ideas are starting to show up. Okay? You need to talk them through. Okay? And then decide. This is what we're doing. Okay, great. You know what I mean? And you move on, right? There's a lot of guys out there that feel insecure that, hey, he's not with the program or he's trying to take my job or, you know, that that's not right. You know, don't ever feel like that, you know? So it's a little, you know, I see that in a lot of places. They, everybody should say, say yes. Or well, everybody saying like, yes, they don't need you guys. <laughs> 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 we really don't need you guys. Thank you again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and click five star for a rate. If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Check out our new 
home for the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. That's at coachandcoordinator.com. And follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.